Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. stand as we begin. We're going to use this first song this morning as a prayer to God, expressing our need that we are here in need of him, and he is all that we need today. He can fill any of those places in our hearts. Let's sing to him. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you.
with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your righteousness, for your goodness, and that at every hour, every moment that we can come to you, telling you, Father, what's on our hearts. This morning, we express this, the song to you, Father, of our need for you, and we are standing in grace this morning as we come to you in this place or in our homes or wherever we may be watching today. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, go ahead and be seated. So great to see you all here today. Thanks so much for being here this morning. My name is Scott Munson. I'm the worship pastor here at Peckway Church, and it's an honor and privilege to be worshiping together with you today. For those in person, inside of your bulletin is a great connection card. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take that card out. Begin filling it out even as I'm speaking today. Online, you're going to find a connect link in the chat window. You can do that same exact thing digitally. Fill that out on your computer. Hit send, and it's a great way that we can connect together together with one another. With this card, uh, we'll be able to know if you have any prayer requests or any needs or if you want any resources uh, that, that can help you in your journey with Christ. We're here to do that and to partner with you. We love connecting people to God and to one another. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone, and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. You see it there on your screens. Again, text that word hello. You'll get a quick, uh, a quick text back. Click that link, follow that, and that simply... Uh, connects us together where we can text one another so uh, I can reach out to you guys and answer any questions you have and uh, and we can follow up with you. So thank you so much for the honor and privilege of being able to do that. Well, this morning we're going to sing a lot of songs about grace and uh, you know what an acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense and that's what Jesus did for us uh, when he gave his life for us and through that forgiveness of sin and uh, you know this morning we're going to talk about repairing our relationship with God as it's, uh, it's part of our sermon series that we've been talking about, how we can be fully devoted to God. And so it's my prayer today that as we sing these songs, as we reflect on God's righteousness, on his forgiveness, on his mercy for us, and we receive that grace, that he's going to change your heart and life today. So there's hope here in this place this morning as we have this message today. So stay tuned for that a little bit later. But I want to invite you to stand once again with us as we continue our worship, as we reflect on God's grace that his grace is truly enough for us. Let's see. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart You lead us by still waters into mercy And nothing can keep us apart So Justice, God of Jacob. 
thankful for God's grace today was through the forgiveness of sins that we are able to come to him he is such a good God his goodness and his mercy follows us all the days of our lives and as we think about his forgiveness today I want to read first John 1 9 to you it says if we freely admit we have sinned we find God utterly reliable he forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Will we trust him today as we sing, continuing thinking on his grace this morning? Again, God's riches at, our, at Christ's expense, not ours. God's riches, it's why he did it, right? So it wouldn't be at our expense, but God's riches, his unfailing love, his mercy, his grace, all of those things, ours because of what Jesus did for us. So let's continue celebrating that together this morning.
than I am right now Wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I've never been more loved than I am right now Going through the storm but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind. Come me out. You would cross an ocean, so I wouldn't drown. You've never been closer than you are right Yeah. 
He is enough for us. In every circumstance, in every moment of our lives, He never forsakes us. He never fails us. Let's pray to Him this morning. God, we thank You for Your steadfast love and the rock that we can stand on this morning, that You are that foundation, Jesus, that we can come to. We're so thankful today for grace, for mercy, for unending love, Father. Jesus, uh, I know in many of our lives there are those times when we fail you. God, when we come to those moments and we think there's no going back and there's nothing that can fix whatever the problem might be. But Jesus, today, because of your grace, we know that that is not the truth. We know that is something that Satan would love for us to believe. But God, as we confess our sins to you, as we come brokenhearted, Lord, and we turn to you and we see the forgiveness that you offer, Jesus, may we see that today. May we hear that today in your words through uh, the preaching of this message, God. I pray now, Jesus, that you would have your will and your way in this place. And we pray and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, worship team. And just want to say good morning. If this is your very first time joining us, whether online or here in the building, or you've been coming, I am excited that you're here. And the reason why is I'm hoping today I'm going to share a message with you that is both incredibly practical, but hopefully maybe begin to bring some of the theological dots, biblical dots together for you. And the way I want to do that is really just get transparent with you, just share with you kind of my spiritual journey, at least to get us started this morning. But when I finally decided to follow Jesus, and that wasn't an early part of my life, that wasn't a quick decision in my life, but when I decided to begin to follow Jesus, I was committed, I was determined to truly be fully devoted to Him. And I say that for many reasons, but one of the biggest was just simply, I remember becoming to that place where I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. That I remember thinking to myself that I don't want to become like the people that just six months earlier I held in contempt. In other words, the people I held in contempt were people that seemed to be in Christian in name only. You know what I'm talking about? I saw them act one way in church, and I saw them act another way in the community, and I said, God, please, don't let me become one of those people. Don't let me become a stumbling block to other people and their faith journey. And so I set out very diligently, very doggedly, to be the very best follower of Jesus I could be. And so I began reading the Bible. Because I knew if I was going to follow what Jesus wanted me to do, I needed to know what Jesus wanted me to do. And so I began to dig into God's Word, study God's Word, and to the best of my ability, I tried to do what it is God told me to do. I tried to avoid those things, stop doing those things that God's Word clearly made uh, obvious to me that I needed not to be a part of my life. And I really did that, and it was just like what we talked about last week, this idea of leading, listening to God's Word and then doing God's Word. And I did that because I was fortunate as a new believer to have had mentors and models and spiritual guides that helped me understand that even in this important change process that was going on in my life, God's change process in my life, I had a part to play. I had a responsibility, just like we talked two weeks ago about, that I had a part to play in this process of spiritual change. And so with the help of the Holy Spirit, His empowering, His cleansing work in my life, I began to root out what we talked about in the very first Sunday, these high places, these things in my life that I understood from God's Word had no place in my life. 
that actually were contrary to what God wanted for my life. And the reality is, in that journey, and it was about, at this point, it was probably about eight, nine-month journey, I felt good about my progress. I, I knew I had a long way to go, but I felt at that point that I was doing the best I knew how to follow and serve the Lord and ultimately be fully devoted to Him. And I share that because it, it really all came crashing down around me about month nine. And the reason that happened, quite candidly, is I was going through what seemed like at that time a really difficult situation. I look back now with the perspective of age and time, and I go, yeah, it probably wasn't as difficult as it seemed to me in the moment. But I was in a difficult time. I didn't know what to do. I was a young man. And so what I did is rather than turning to God to help me through it, I turned to what I had historically, and that is I turned to alcohol. And I remember as one drink eventually turned into a drunk, how I ultimately felt this incredible pain and shame because I watched as my friends who I had been sharing my faith with, who I could tell was seeing a change in my life, just, it seemed like I gut punched them. It just seemed like everything that I had, had any credibility in their life was suddenly destroyed as I just went from one drink to a drunk. And folks, the reason I share that is because in the midst of that train wreck, and that's what it felt like to me, and I think biblically that's what it was, it was a spiritual train wreck, the reality is God began to show me that the spiritual life was a journey. And on that journey, I could, if I would give in to selfish, give in to fear, give in to faithlessness, I could give myself to sin. I could choose to do things contrary to God's will for my life. That that hadn't been removed from me, that I still had a will, I still had a choice. And the reality is God began to work through me and help me understand that on that journey, there are times when I would fall short of my expectations of myself, let alone his expectations of me, because already I had read enough of God's word to, I, I put it there on your outline, that I knew this verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 said this, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. And so just understand, in my heart, I knew that. That as God's Spirit worked in me, I could become more and more like Him. Yet I realized that behavior, what had happened in my life in that bar room, was anything but Christ-like. And I heard about that, and I anguished about that. And in that process, God helped me to understand the steps that I could take to restore my relationship with Him. That I, that I didn't have to live in the sense of shame. I didn't have to live with His guilt. I didn't have to live in the sense of separation from God. And I share all that because that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I meet many, many people who have those similar experiences. Maybe it isn't something with alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's something else, maybe it's an attitude, an, an action that you struggle with that has defeated you. And we are often tempted to respond in that way that quite honestly is more destructive than helpful. That, that it's well-intentioned, but the reality is we find ourselves being driven further away from God rather than back to God. And so I want to talk to you about the steps that we can take. And to do that, I want to return to who we looked at last week, King Josiah. Because if you were here last week, you remember I talked to you about Josiah was the only king in the history of Judah and Israel who, unlike all the other kings, was faithful to God. All the others had lost their way. All the others had, had if you will, gone off the rails when it came to following God, but not Josiah. In fact, he was so committed to being devoted to God that even as a young man, he instituted reforms to bring himself and his people back to God. And if you hear last week, I share with you the first reform. He was 20 years old, which is amazing to me, but at 20 years of age, he instituted a reform to get rid of all the high places. 
Those places that stood in opposition to God, that drew the people away from God. He said, we're going to get rid of all of them. Not just some of them, all of them from the land, from Jerusalem, Judea, and, and the rest of the land. He said, we're going to get, destroy them, and that's what they did. And then 26 years of age, he instituted a rebuilding or restoration of the temple because the people have gone so far from God that the temple, you might say the church, completely fell apart. It was in shambles. And so he ordered that money brought, be brought together and workers be gathered and the temple be restored, to be cleansed, to be reinstituted. The worship of God would take place again. And in that process of restoring the temple, an incredible discovery was made. It's almost an embarrassing when you think about it, because what was found was the law, the book of the law, Moses' law. Here, they found the Bible. That's how far they had drifted, that they had literally lost God's word. Not just its place in life, literally had lost God's word. And when it was found, it was given to, to the priest, and then it was given to, if you will, the, his uh, Josiah's secretary, and it was read in his presence. And as Josiah listened to what the word of the Lord said, what was shared with him as he listened, he realized just how truly far away from God the heart of his people had turned from God. And so, folks, what I want to do is I'm going to look at how he responded. Because there was multiple ways in that moment, that painful realization that we have sinned against God, we have separated ourselves from God, we have fallen away from God. He could have responded in many, many ways, many ways that you and I are tempted to respond. But the way he chose to respond literally restored his relationship with God and the nation with God. And so I want to look at what he did. So if you have your outlines, I want to invite you to follow along as I go back and take us back again to 2 Kings chapter 22 and just begin reading and see all that happened after Josiah realized they had sinned against God. Here's what it begins, beginning with verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. That was a sign in that culture of grief. He tore his robes, he gave, and he gave these orders. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with what is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahiakim, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in this book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger, by all their idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of me, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord." Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Now, if that's the first time you've ever encountered that passage, and you're probably going, wow, that's pretty heavy. And it is. But what I want us to notice is it reveals to us in that narrative the steps that Josiah took to repair his relationship and the people's relationship with God. So let me just walk through them with you this morning. And the first step is recognition. 
The very first step that Josiah took is he recognized that he and the people had sinned against God. Go Take a look again at verse 13. It says, Josiah said, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's anger that burns against us. And what I want to say, and the reason I emphasize those words, us and me, is because rather than burying his sin and pretending it was no big deal, and, 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 or maybe perhaps instead of blaming other people, saying, you know what, it's not my fault. I'm a product of my environment. My father, in this historical fact, his father was the most wicked king that had ever been. But rather than saying, you know, it's my dad's fault, it's my culture's fault, it's my people's fault, he, he just simply instead owned it. And here's the other thing he didn't do in that process. He didn't, he didn't come to that place where he said, you know what, I, I, I'm simply going to beat myself up. Haven't we all been tempted to do that? He didn't sit back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. Why do I call myself a king? Why do I call myself a follower of God? I am such a failure. No, he didn't blame himself. He didn't beat himself up. He didn't bury it. He didn't blame others. Instead, he simply owned his sin. He admitted it. He acknowledged the fact that he and the people had sinned against God. And I want to talk to you about that for a second because even as we sang this morning, folks, the truth is, that when you and I invite Jesus into our life, in that moment, when we do that in faith, every sin we've ever committed has been forgiven and forgotten. That is true. That's absolutely true. But it's also true, folks, that in that moment, we begin a journey of spiritual transformation. Paul put it like this. We are, in that moment, we begin a journey of being transformed in an ever-increasing measure in the likeness of Jesus. And so in that moment, folks, it is possible on that journey... If we give in to selfishness, if we give in to fear, if we give in to faithlessness, that it's possible that we can still sin. That we can choose, intentionally choose, to go against God's will. And that is the definition of sin. Now, let me just pause there because I put a verse on your outline that we need to hold these two things in tension. Because, folks, while I say it is possible, it is not necessary, it is not inevitable that we sin as followers of Jesus. I want you to take a look at what the, the elder John wrote in 1 John 2.1. He said this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if possible, anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So what that passage teaches us, folks, is for the Christian, sin is possible. It's not inevitable. It is possible for us to sin, but it is not unavoidable. Does that make sense? John would not say to us, folks, I write this so you will not sin if it was not possible to avoid sin in our lives. But the reality is, to the degree to which we do not lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, to the degree to which we give in to fear and selfishness, and that's all that I gave into that night, to the degree that we do that, folks, we can and it's capable to sin. Here's the reason I say all that. Because not only, as we sang about, do we need the saving, forgiving grace of God, we also need the ongoing saving and forgiving grace of God at work in our lives. It is an ongoing journey and process. And really, today in the church, today in the world, there are two groups of people that really need to hear that. The first group of people are those who say to themselves, or maybe even to others, you know what, I'm not going to feel bad about how I'm living, because I don't buy all this sin stuff, or I don't buy this holy life stuff. But listen to me, folks, refusing to acknowledge our sin, refusing to acknowledge that living above sin is a, a real possibility for the Christian 
All that does is it just numbs our heart. It just makes this increasingly difficult for us to relate and respond to God's will, God's word, in helpful and healthy ways. But there's a second group of people who need to hear that, and those are those who are living lives in such a way that really are saying, even though they never say it, I care more about looking good than being good. I care more about be, appearing spiritually mature than actually being spiritually mature. In other words, I care more about personal appearance than I do personal purity. And folks, when we fall into that camp, what we do is we find it nearly impossible to ever acknowledge that we're struggling with sin, we're ever struggling with temptation. Yet as vastly different as those two groups of people are, the reality is they have one thing in common. And the commonality is this, the commonality is our, our relationship with God is more form than substance. We're more concerned about the externals than the internal relationship with God. And so the very first step, if we're going to restore and repair a relationship with God after we sin, the first step is we have to own the sin. We have to acknowledge that, yes, I have sinned. It's the verse that Scott read for us. If we freely admit that we have sinned, that's the first step. The second step is regret. It's regret. Josiah said this, Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. What we see there, and what, at least what I see there, folks, is Josiah clearly was filled with regret. And the reason why is because regret is tied to consequences to sin. In other words, regret is tied to something I did that I know I shouldn't have done. Or it's tied to something I didn't do that I know I should have done. In other words, bottom line, regret is about you and I feeling bad about the consequences that we face because of our sin. And, and, and here's what I want to say about that. That is why regret is one of the easiest steps of the four steps for us to take, but also the reason it's one of the most difficult for us to navigate. And let me explain that. Here's what I mean, folks. What, what I've seen in my life and what I've observed after decades of ministry is for most of us, we go very quickly to regret once we acknowledge and recognize we've sinned. We, we go there very quickly. But the reality is, almost as quickly, once we deal with the consequences of sin, we can many times fall back into the very same sin. Have you noticed that? Have you ever wondered why we do that? And, and part of the reason that happens, folks, is because the reality is we, we find ourselves more focused, concerned about the consequences we face because of our sin than we do and are concerned about the damage to our relationship with God because of our sin. And so, folks, when we sin, we need to focus on repairing the relationship with God and not just mopping up the mess that we face because of our sin. Otherwise, all we're doing is living in damage control mode. And damage control mode, when it comes to sin, never pulls us into a deeper relationship with God. It never cultivates a true heart for God, which is why the third step to repairing a relationship with God is absolutely essential. And that's remorse. Remorse. And let me explain remorse, because remorse goes far deeper in your life and mind than just regret. You see, regret is about, I feel sorry about the consequences that I'm facing because of my sin. But remorse is a heartfelt sorrow that my sin has driven a wedge between me and the Lord. It's driven a wedge between me and my relationship with God. 
And I'm going to give you one clear example of that, a biblical example of that, and that is Judas's betrayal of Jesus. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 27, because here's what we read. When Judas saw that Jesus was condemned, in other words, he saw Jesus was going to die, he saw what he had done to, to Jesus, his friend, at one point his Savior, his, his, his Lord. It says he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priest, the elders. And he said, I've sinned, he said, for I betrayed innocent blood. In other words, folks, the reality is remorse isn't just grief over what we've done to our life. Remorse is grief over what we've done to our life with God. It's grief over what we've done to our relations with God, that we have sin has separated us from God. And that's why God said this to Josiah through the prophetess. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have said against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and laid waste. And because you tore your robes, again, a sign of grief, and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. So what we need to understand, what we need to see is Josiah didn't just feel bad about the consequences. That God had lifted his hand and taken his presence away from him and the people. No, he didn't just feel bad about that, though he certainly did. What he really felt bad about was his relationship with God. The people's relationship with God has been damaged. It had been destroyed in, in, in a very real way. That their sin had literally undercut the relationship with God. And ultimately, that reality leads us and should lead us to the fourth and most, I think, the most important and crucial step. And that final step is repentance. Repentance. We take a look at what we read now, and, and we have to go to chapter 23 for this, the rest of the story, so to speak, for we read, the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decree with all his heart and all his soul, and to obey the words of the covenant written in the book. Now, I think you would agree with me that the word repentance in our culture and many times even in the church, is not a word we often hear used in a positive context or in a positive way. And I just say to you folks, that's a sad reality, and here's why. The root of our word repentance comes from the Hebrew word shuv, which means turn and return. And, and so the idea of repentance, the biblical idea of repentance, folks, is literally, it involves the idea of turning away from our sin and returning to God. And so it really is this, this picture of you and I, you know, being with God, but saying, you know what, I, I think I know a better way. I think there's something in life I'd rather have than God, or at least all of God. And so we begin to walk away from God, but somewhere along that journey, we realize we're heading the wrong way, that what we thought walking away from God would do for us isn't doing for us, and so we turn from it and we return to God. You want another biblical example of that? The prodigal. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching in the story of the prodigal son. The phrase that is all powerful in the prodigal son story is the phrase when it says, and he came to himself. That was the turning. That was the shuv moment in his life. The other biblical word that, that repentance for us is rooted in is the word metanoia. It's a change of mind. In other words, we change our mind that what we thought was good for us, we recognize honestly wasn't good for us, and we recognize what God said about it is actually right. And Paul says, therefore, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
So what I want us to understand, folks, is at the very heart of repentance is this idea that we recognize that our sin is destroying our relationship with God. It's harming us. It's harming others. And so we turn from it and return to God. And folks, the best thing about that, the very best thing about that is is when we do that, God meets us with grace. God meets us with forgiveness. And so repairing our relationship with God is really straightforward. It really isn't as difficult as we make it emotionally and sometimes even spiritually. Repairing a relationship with God when we sin is simply this. First of all, we just own it. We just admit that we have sinned. That we didn't make a mistake. The Bible doesn't say we're mistakers. The Bible says we're sinners. So we first acknowledge that we've sinned. Then the next thing we do is we feel regret over doing it. And then we, we acknowledge the fact and we feel remorse over it. And we feel remorse specifically over the damage it's done to our relationship with God. And many times, because sin is relational, the damage we've done to others and our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves. And then finally, what we do is we turn from it. We acknowledge that that is not the way we want to go. That is not the solution. That is not the answer. And we return to God. We return to God's way and God's will. And again, the wonderful thing about taking those four steps is God is waiting there, just like in the story of the prodigal son with his arms wide open, to extend forgiveness and grace and acceptance. That's why John wrote this and Scott's already already read it for you, but if we freely admit we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. That is, He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. And folks, God's eagerness to do that in your life and mine, His readiness to do that in your life and mine, is clearly seen in Josiah's example and story. For when Josiah finally owned and acknowledged his sin, And then he deeply regretted it because it caused God literally to move away from the people, to take his hand of blessing and protection off the people and off the nation. And then when he expressed real remorse over it by weeping and tearing his robes, and he repented of it, bringing his life back into line with God's word, what we need to understand is God met that recognition with understanding. God met that regret with grace. He met met Josiah's remorse with forgiveness, and ultimately he met his repentance with restoration. And so I say all that to say this, folks, in light of all that, when you and I sin, when you and I do things that we willfully and knowingly do things that are contrary to God's will for our life as quickly as possible, we need to own it. We need to express regret and remorse over it, and then we need to leave it behind. Because if we'll do that, God will meet our sin with His grace and His forgiveness. And so again, if you're like me, rather than burying it, and somehow trying to tell yourself it's no big deal, rather than you know, simply blaming other people, say, you know, what else was I supposed to do? I'm a product of my environment. I live in America. Whatever, I'm a man. Whatever it is. And rather than beating yourself up, and for many of us in the church, that's our favorite one, of saying... How can I call myself a Christian? I, I, I can never live this life. You're right, on your own you can't. But rather than berating yourself, beating yourself up, rather than blaming others, rather than burying up, what we need to do, folks, is we need to take these four steps. We need to take these four steps and just immediately repair and restore our relationship with God. And when we do that, 
God is waiting there to meet us with forgiveness and grace. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Folks, if there's anything, anything, my heart could cry and sigh for some of us today, is for us to help us understand that we do not need to live our lives carrying a load of guilt and shame. Because God wants to and God is as willing to do for us what he did for Josiah. He wants to meet our recognition of sin with understanding, not condemnation. He wants to meet our regret with his grace. He wants to meet our remorse with forgiveness and he wants to meet our repentance with restoration of our relationship. And so this morning, if there's anything you're struggling with, any, any point of sin in your life, that as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has put His finger on something in your life and said, this is not right. You know this shouldn't be here. Then I just want to invite you to pray, God, you know everything about me. You know my thoughts. You know my actions. You know the attitudes in my life that have me out of step with your will. And so this morning, I just simply agree with you that that attitude, that action, that thought, it's wrong. And I own that I did what I did because I wanted to do it rather than doing what you wanted me to do. So forgive me for doing that. And please forgive me for the damage it's done to our relationship. I want to repair it. I want our relationship to be restored. And so in this moment, Lord, I am turning and returning. I am choosing to turn away from that sin, to realize and to recognize and agree with you that it's not helpful. In fact, it's destructive to me, to the people I love, and, and, and to our relationship. And I'm choosing to turn and to walk back towards you. And then would you pray, God, with the help of your Holy Spirit, his cleansing help, his empowering help, as he lives in me fully and completely, I am choosing today to not allow sinful actions and attitudes to characterize and control my life. I know that doesn't mean I'll ever be impervious to it. But I recognize today, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And you have truly made us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Now with your head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to hear me. I want you to trust me, even if you find it hard to believe. Hear me. If you meant that prayer sincerely, God heard you. And instantly, completely, and fully, he has wiped the slate of your life clean and has restored your relationship to him. And so I want to give you just a moment to thank him for that gift, the gift of repaired and restored relationship with him.
Heavenly Father, thank you for removing the guilt, the regret, the pain and the shame from many of our lives this morning. Thank you for forgiving us freely and completely and even repeatedly, even though we know we do not deserve it. And Father, from this moment forward, when we fail, when we sin, help our first thought to be to turn to You. To turn away from our sin and turn back to You. Help us to guard our hearts from thinking the solution is to beat ourselves up or to blame other people or minimize it or pretend it's, it's not an issue. Help us instead to simply own it, to confess it, and then to turn from it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, for that message. 1 John 1, 9 uh, says this in the God's Word translation. God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. And perhaps you've done that this morning. Uh, at the beginning of the service, I asked you to take out that gray connection card. I'm going to have you take that out once again. Online, there's going to be a link there in the chat window for those of you with us uh, who are at home or wherever you may be watching today. But on the back of that card are some places there. Perhaps you made that decision today that you committed your life to Jesus or you're recommitting, or maybe you want to grow in your faith with Jesus, or you want to explore, there's uh, some boxes there on the back of that card. We would love to be able to come alongside you and uh, help you by providing resources or someone to, to speak with if you need to know more. You can do that online as well there uh, that you'll see once you click that link. Um, there are a couple of resources that we do have. If you are a first-time guest out at the Welcome uh, Center desk, there's a book called How Good is Good Enough. And um, you know, even if you're maybe not a first-time guest and you want to know more about Jesus, I think this is a great resource that you can look at um, and that you can read that will help you on that journey. Many times we think, well, I'm a good person. I, I'm, I think I'm good enough to get in heaven, into heaven. But God's word says something different. So I encourage you to pick up that book today. And then also a couple of weeks back, uh, Pastor Jerry spoke um, and talked about this book, My Heart, Christ's Home. We have these. I have some of these with me here at the front, um, or I'll be out in the lobby as well. But if you want to know more about how to follow Jesus, how to make your heart his home, I'd love to place that in your hands as well this morning. And you know, as people of God, once we're forgiven, we want to give because Jesus gave us the greatest gift ever of himself. But by giving of our resources, our finances, we're able to put these types of, of things into people's hands. And so if this morning you would like to give, there's envelopes at the back of the room. There's going to be a link in the chat window as well. But uh, I encourage you to do that uh, if God is prompting you to. We're so thankful for your generous gifts each and every week. So um, if you would like to do that, that is available to you as well this morning. Thank you for uh, worshiping together with us as we reflected on God's grace. We heard this message of forgiveness today. Would you let God stir your heart and uh, think on these things as you leave here today and let that uh, impress on your heart throughout the week and share God's good news with somebody uh, as you see them during this week. Thanks so much. I hope to see you again next week. Have a great day.